Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels bringing you another episode of the Wacky World of Energy. Today we are recording on the 23rd of May, and <laughs> I don't know how you find these articles. I put Monday Madness together, and it's some pretty, pretty normal, relatively decent things, but these, oh, I'm excited to talk about these today. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> another exciting week on our Wacky World of Energy. Another wacky one. More stupidity. <laughs> Trust me, there's plenty to go around. There is plenty of stupidity to go around. Mm. Our fearless leaders in Washington charge the way. Dun, dun, dun. We're going to be here to week? save the American consumer. Oh, are they? Because it yeah. seems like it's doing the exact opposite so far. Oh, my God. What's our first brave headline of what our Washington lawmakers and fearless leaders are trying to do. What's that Biden? What's that White House up to now? Well, we've uh, been Tavis. talking about it in recent weeks, uh, alluded to it a little bit, especially the East Coast. Diesel demand is tight because distillates are tight. So that, of course, is the newest problem. We need diesel. We need maritime shipping. We need trucks to move. So in this article from oil. How about, Price, how about the headline? Let's start with the headline. Just let's read the headline because it's going to sound <laughs> sorry, so Sorry, I get ahead of myself. This is an article yeah. from Oil Price. Biden could tap diesel reserve in a bid to ease the fuel crunch. Now, this was released on May 23rd. Pretty standard playbook move by now we've seen. Just tap into the reserves, pull out. But the difference here is that in terms of refined diesel, Northeast Home Heating Oil Reserve contains just 1 million barrels of diesel. Okay, now hold on a second. We got to remember, we got to frame everything up for our. Yeah, audience, I, right? I set it up bad. I, I, it's worst case for my. No, 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 no. But let's start with how much distillate inventory do we have in the country right now? And, and that's at near a 17 year low at the time. And it is what, 105 million barrels? I think even less. I mean, I've just released the Thirsty Thursday report. Go to www.rarepetro.com to look at that. But it looks like the most recent numbers, yeah, 105 as of the 13th. But I think it's a little bit lower now by at least how a million. Many, how, how many days of supply does 105 million barrels of distillate give us in this country? Well, the According EIA also has that chart. Be sure to throw it up on the screen right now. But it's looking like... No more than 28 on the south 20, side of 28. 28 what? Days? Days. 28 oh! days of distillate, total distillate supply. Totally dist. Oh, my, my. So, let me get this straight. 105 million barrels of distillate inventories in this country. It gives us 28 days of supply, not mm -hmm. even a month, mm -hmm. right? And Biden could release, bum, 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 one million barrels of diesel. <laughs> I scratched that itch on. for a couple days, but not much more than that. Analysts warn that tapping the reserve will not solve tightness in the market. You know, I wonder how much do these people get paid to come out <laughs> to with statements like that? slapping a Band-Aid on this doesn't do anything? Analysts, I mean, we might as well be analysts, Tavis, We're, because we, I, analysts. we came to that conclusion in about, what, T-minus 30 seconds? Easily. When we are looking wait, on one million, hmm, that number sounds small. Well, let's let's refresh. What is the uh, what is the Energy Information Administration, the government, you know, under the purview of the Energy Secretary, who sits at the table with the president? Like these people are totally idiotic. I actually I don't think they're that stupid. 
I think that they hope the average American is that stupid. Oh, I think they are too. Because even, <laughs> what, the last part of this article, Andy Leipow, president of Leipow Oil Associates, I think he put it great, quote, it's a Band-Aid, one that isn't going to last very long when it comes off the injury, and the injury's not healing. Yeah, we're not solving the root of the issue at this point. We're just going, oh, pull it from there. Ooh, we have that saved up. Pull it from there. We're just taking from savings and not bringing any more money in from a financial metaphor, right? Not just a Band-Aid. Or it's a Band-Aid, yeah? Mm-hmm. It's just a ba- This does not solve the root of the issue, which everyone listening to this segment knows. We've been talking about it for months. We need more production. And fortunately, rig count's going up, but it's going to be a couple of years until we see some direct results in, what, diesel's at $6.43 a gallon in New England? Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. The government, again, they're sh- stepping on in. Oh, the Department of the Interior provides offshore leasing program update. Oh, that what sounds is that? like a promising solution. I like yeah. this. Where, where do we go into there? What's our fearless government doing well, here despite the rather positive headline of this article it was released on the 23rd from rig zone the department of the interior will release the proposed program the next step in the five-year offshore energy leasing process by june 30th so they're saying hey end of next month we will have the report ready but also in the same article it says quote this is from i believe deb howland well no this is the statement from the doi quote the previous administration stopped work on the new five-year plan in 2018, so there's still Let's a lot of... Let's blame somebody else. Already, right? We plan to have this ready by next month, but just know, <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it was those guys, so... It was, well, yeah. I imagine this will go the same way as the federal leasing thing, where we probably won't see an update for at least half of a year, if not a full year, and then the solution will probably be to charge higher royalty rates again. Yeah. Following Hallen's confirmation, National Ocean Industries Association President Eric Melito said, quote, The Interior has had 16 months to fulfill its statutory obligation to develop and maintain an offshore oil and gas leasing program, and it has failed. I think that's a little bit more on the nose than, well, you know, the guys before us, you know, they didn't do, they didn't finish your job, so it's not our fault. Mm-hmm. You've had 16 months, you, you nincompoops. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it's not? At some point, whether, whatever the previous, own it, man. What's wrong with you? He goes on further to say, and I agree with this as well. No other administration has failed in this way. Until now, every administration, whether Democrat or Republican, has recognized the critical strategic advantages of continued U.S. offshore oil and gas production that are achieved through an uninterrupted national leasing program, Melito added in a statement sent to RigZone. The intentional, this continues, quote, the intentional obstruction and delays in U.S. energy development that we are now witnessing have devastating consequences for Americans at the gas pump, our national security, global geopolitics, our near and long-term energy security, and high-paying jobs across the country, he continued. Rigzone asked the Department of the Interior if it had any comment on Melito's statement. Basically, crickets. They didn't... (laughs) They didn't have anything to add. Well, we we already told you what our statement was. Mm -hmm. Your statement is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Let's just blame everybody else. The blame game. I agree with this Eric fellow, uh, because the quote just before that talks about Hayland, speaking for the DOI, 
as we take this next step, we will follow the science and the laws we always do. For me, of course, it's the fact that science is listed first, alluding to the primary stressor of climate change. So, yeah, he's probably right. This Follow whatever you want. You're still using the hydrocarbon. Yep. And if you need to use it from somebody else, well, that makes you subject to what they prefer. But the solutions don't stop there. Not only have we looked at diesel or offshore environments, but we got to touch on gasoline, right? Yeah. This next article from the Washington Times, title, House Democrats Narrowly Passed Gasoline Price Gouging Bill Despite Four Defectors. Now, this was published on May 19th, so that was, what, last Thursday, Friday? Something Last like Thursday. Yeah. And it's headed to Senate soon, right? Yeah, they're expecting it'll probably fail in the Senate. You have some moderate Democrats in there. And it's probably not going to get passed through. Uh, the reason we really bring this up is because this is the kind of conversation that's starting to happen. Oh, the government's going to step in and, and help the consumer. And now we're going to go after those evil companies that are price gouging, blah, blah, blah. You know? It's such a freaking joke because look, hey, there's a gas station down the road from me. It's a small, real small mom and pop gas station. Okay, they don't have much for a convenience store area, and their gasoline for the premium is almost a dollar a gallon more. Ooh. If I don't, then five miles down the road. Yep. At a, at a more chain gas station, not a Chevron either but just one of those chain gas stations like a Murphy yeah. or a Maverick or something. Um, look, if I don't want to go to the quick corner and pay the dollar more, I won't. Mm -hmm. But if you go after price gouging concepts, I mean, historically, they generally just create more shortages. Uh, so hopefully, yes, they are right here in this Washington Times article, and it's been covered in all the mainstream media outlets. <clears throat> yeah, it will fail in the Senate. Um, that being said, these conversations, you know, could whip back up if fuel prices get even worse and people get more desperate to, in Washington to seem like they're coming to the rescue of the consumer. <laughs> when, you know, so what are they really doing? What are they really doing? Uh, just creating more bureaucracy if they try to pass crap like that, you know, and, and that just creates more problems. You know, this article also talks about that the White House revealed this week, so this was, you know, the last week, um, the week of May 15th or whatever, that it will ease some economic sanctions on Venezuela. <laughs> no, we're real worried about finding supplies if we're going to start getting buddy-buddy with them. Venezuela. On to the next. There's an oil price article from May 22nd. Geopolitics takes a backseat as Biden drops sanctions on Venezuela. Rumors that the U.S. would lift sanctions against Venezuela in order to halt the oil price rally have been circulating since Biden sent a delegation to Caracas in March. The U.S. has now officially begun easing sanctions on Venezuela, a move that is driven by a desire to reduce gasoline prices. <laughs> uh, Venezuela has expressed its desire that all sanctions be lifted and continues to work closely with Iran <laughs> to rebuild its oil industry despite Iran also being under sanctions. Dun, dun, dun. So it seems oh our sanctions are God. mostly ineffective at this point. 
Yeah. I mean, in this article here, we scroll down a little bit. Despite ongoing sanctions, Venezuela has been trading oil products with the U.S. sanctioned Iran in recent months using discrete shipping methods. Venezuela has also increased its oil exports to China, so newsflash, their crude's already on the global market, you geniuses. And I just don't see them giving us the sweetheart discount for the Western Hemisphere if we lift our sanctions on Venezuela. Yeah, so let me get this straight. We are proposing that we lift our already ineffective sanctions yes. in hopes that they are nice to us? Is uh, that our best plan? Uh, hey, you know what? We can all be friends again. No. No, 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 no. These guys don't care about you or your sanctions. Sounds like a familiar story now, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. More and more people fitting into that population. Oh, gosh. Countries, I should say. Yeah. As the U.S. slightly eases its sanctions on Venezuela, it suggests greater potential for the country's oil industry. Having boosted output and exports in recent months, it will likely build upon its existing relationship with U.S.-sanctioned Iran to develop more trade routes and get ready to boost supply if greater allowances come into place. Oh, well, whatever. So, what? Greater greater supply to what? The U.S. dollar-backed system? Oh, yeah, whatever. I, no I, I, don't, I don't see us getting I said I don't see us getting the sweetheart discount over here. No. Uh, I think them just all laughing at us. Oh, look, they tried to sanction us. We didn't <laughs> listen to it. And now they're going to say, hey, you know, guys, we'll lift our sanctions. No, yeah, what, you know, what are we going to do? Need, give, we need oil from uh, Give PDVSA money to repair their already broken infrastructure <laughs> to produce yeah. oil elsewhere? You know, that might actually happen. That's a not-in-my-backyard solution that I feel the Biden administration would love to pursue. But I don't know how people would feel about the United States funding the Maduro it's like, regime. It's like they're trying to convince the American consumer. It, I get the sense that they're trying to convince the American consumer that there's all these extra barrels just sitting out there waiting to be unleashed on the global stage to help with our supply problems. And all we have to do is just wave the magic wand of, we're going to lift our sanctions. Oh, yeah. You know that those physical barrels, at least a good chunk of them, already on the market. Mm -hmm. They don't care about your sanctions now. Okay? And that's just, that's fact. That's fact. That's what's going on. It's being reported everywhere. So, you know, what do we have that comes out of all this? Everybody wants to talk about price gouging from big oil companies. And 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 we need to go find oil where? Where? In Venezuela? <laughs> It's not a terrible spot to live. They're so but... effective and so friendly historically, yeah? <laughs> and they've been listening to those sanctions just totally fine, perfectly. Yeah. Ah. Oh, those evil price gouging. You know, I, I decided just as a little snippet here to, to pull up and, you know, everybody's got this image in their head. It was probably accurate in 1910, <laughs> you know? With Standard Oil, like oh, yeah, the oil, U.S. oil companies controlling so much. Where when it actually was controlling so much. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at one of the. Pull this up on Statista. You know the, the net crude oil and natural gas liquids production of Chevron. I mean, this is natural gas liquids too. This is more than just oil. In the last, I mean, last year in 2021, according to Statista, Chevron produced globally. 1.8 million barrels a day. And that also has NGLs in it. It's not just oil. 
So mm-hmm. of oil production, be smaller number than that. And of that 1.8 million, reminding everybody that global oil demand, oil demand alone is around 100 million barrels a day. One of the big oil companies doesn't even produce 2% of that. Mm. Okay, And of what they did produce, less than half of that was from the United States. So you've got uh, – what are you going to do? This this whole narrative, this big oil companies, are the only company big enough in this planet to really influence prices and supply is Saudi Aramco. And that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty much a country. You're negotiating with a country, okay? <laughs> yeah. So there you go on that. And so – where do we circle the wagons around in the geopolitics here is we have this Reuters article, Tavis. What's this headline say for uh, Russia? Oh, the Russia one. Let's see. Get into my tab. This headline, Reuters, published uh, May 23rd. Russia wants to set up joint oil and gas refineries with BRICS countries, a minister says. And for those of you uh, who may not be aware of BRICS, that's going to be Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, some of which are already getting very comfortable in business relations. Mm, yes. Yeah, they're all already trading with each other. It's U.S. sanctions aside anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this article says, very short one, Russian industry minister Denis Mat- Dennis on Monday called. <laughs> I've got to go back and do that. Mantarov. Mantarov. Well, let's say, yay. Russia's coming out and saying, we're going to coordinate with refining. For those of you who don't know, one of the. Our U.S. refining system is heavily geared towards needing heavier crude for its operations. This is why they're talking with Venezuela to get some of that Venezuelan heavy crude. Um. <clears throat> A lot of our WTI sweet light oil that comes out of the shale basins in the mid-continent, our refiners, to they're not really – a lot of that gets exported to be made into gasoline in places like Asia right now. Mm-hmm. So what are they talking about doing? Talking about coordinating global refining as a cartel, at least for their centric BRICS situation. That's another way to kind of cut off the effectiveness of our a lot of our oil production is that light sweet stuff that comes from those shale wells, yeah? Mm-hmm. And that needs to be sent somewhere else, most of it, to be refined into gasoline. And we could do it here, but to do that would require a lot of retooling at a lot of costs. And uh, to do it in any decently reasonable piece of time less than years, you would probably need a lot of red tape cut bureaucracy that gets gets out of the way. Yeah, maybe it'll happen, but I don't see any signs of that happening right now. So, you know, and this is all in the backdrop that Saudi Aramco, Saudi Arabia said that they're just fine with, this just came out uh, here May 23rd today. I saw an article, uh, I think it was from the Epoch Times, but you'd probably be able to find it wherever you go look and search and after you hear this episode is, that you know, Saudi is fine with having Russia be in the <laughs> still be part of OPEC plus. Yeah, You're still part sense. of the cool kids club. <laughs> guys. Russia's been there. Russia hasn't sanctioned anybody. They haven't made it hard for other OPEC countries. <laughs> and what do we what do we have? All these sanctions on Russia. What's our ruble update, Tavis? <laughs> oh good God. I was just checking this morning because I saw an article <clears throat> that uh I mean 
it's better than numbers. The headline just said the Russian ruble up to five-year highs. And I'll see if I can't find that chart and put it up after the fact. But things have not been this good since, I think, May of 2018. So Russia's best economic decision in the past five years was having secure energy resources that the world needed. And then it was able to do whatever it wanted because it knew it had what everyone else wanted, which is energy. So it's almost I think it's actually doubled in value since the start of the invasion. Man. <laughs> it's wacky world of energy. It's a wacky like, world. We say they can't do it and they're oh, making a pretty penny doing it. Oh man, what a joke. Yeah, there's always money to be made. Yeah. 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 Oh, it all just comes down to if you want more say so and what happens. Mm-hmm. You got to produce more of your own stuff. Which it looks like, if we got another article here, banks are ready to show, especially Texas, that they are ready. <laughs> they want to produce because they know it's going to mean money for them. So banks rush to assure Texas that they like oil and gas. An article yeah. published on the 20th from Oil Price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got. <laughs> First paragraph here, more than two dozen banks and other financial firms have declared themselves as non-hostile to the Texas energy industry after the state went after the financial industry, threatening to shut off its access to the Texas financial system. Uh, that refer- or That's a reference back to, I believe, a policy that, uh, who, who's the governor there? Wheelchair fellow? <laughs> Is it Abbott? Yes. It's, it's a defining feature, but I think Abbott said, if banks are not willing to work with conventional energy then uh, there's certain strings that they can pull to get that bank out of the state because they only want people who are there to support one of their greatest industries. Yeah. Thank God for Texas. If it wasn't for Texas, who knows how perilous the United States situation would be with regard <laughs> yeah, I mean, to energy. I mean, you got to have right both sides, right? you got to oh, have two man. extremes to balance it out somehow, displace some well, gray in the middle. And the thing of it is is that the extremes are pretty much narratives that are built to – garner off of people's fears of things you know i mean that's just what you see all over the place look here's the reality we go over it time and time again you're using the hydrocarbon every single day whether you own a gasoline powered vehicle or not you're using it everything you touch everything you use everything you interface with especially technology products you want to sit there and Go on social media and talk about how evil oil and gas is. You're <laughs> tapping on a phone that has hydrocarbons in it. Mm-hmm. It's a freaking joke. Utilizing electricity that if the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing is being powered with, more likely than not, a hydrocarbon source. Possibly nuclear. But more likely than not, coal or gas. So the reality is that's reality, guys and gals. That is reality. You're using hydrocarbons anyway. You there's a lot of people that make a lot of money by selling their oil and gas to everybody else. And it yields them a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Right? And so here we are, yet again, worrying about shortages. What do we want to do? Release this, release that, which buys you days, maybe. And then we want to talk to all these people. We'll lift to sanctions. We'll work around with you. And their crude's already on the market anyway. Will it release a little bit more? Probably. Will it get a little bit more to us? Likely. But at what cost? Because people are basically flaunting the U.S. sanction system right now. And the EU. And what's happening is these countries are still trading with each other. The energy is still flowing. 
all these things are still everything you were trying to do without you know doing a physical war directly it's not working and the only chance it had to work probably would have been to be very aggressive very quickly that window has passed and we're just in a situation right now where everybody's over there trying to point fingers and place the blame game and it's big oil it's putin it's this it's that you know i mean i had to just tell these people that we found a huge oil deposit underground in mars right because uh-huh. they can blame the, the the martians or whatever i mean it's just a joke you know mm-hmm. the blame game the blame game. it starts with acknowledging you use hydrocarbons and you use a lot of them you can't blame other countries for the reality that you consistently use these things you can only blame yourself for not being honest with yourself about that and relying on other people who may not care as much about human rights or the environment or your political system or your ideals that's your problem all right you need to look in the mirror and say oh man i'm using all this stuff and i'm blaming everybody else for not doing it on my terms well if you want to do it on your terms you got to bring it home man and so let's continue to just try and do that you know tell people you know, our listeners tell people that you talk to in your friends and family network. You use oil and gas every day. It's all around you. Be honest with yourself. That's what you're doing. You want to blame everybody else. You know what? The actions of Maduro, the actions of Putin, the actions of Tehran, the actions of Beijing, all these things, yes, they complicate the scenario for us. But the reality started is you're using hydrocarbons anyway. You're using a global supply chain anyway. And if you want to not be as dependent on that system, you need to start looking at what you can do to produce your own stuff, your own stuff. Until you get to that reality of that's where we have to start building back, the rest of this is just a joke. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to help anything. It's just going to be a bunch of political posturing. At the end of the day, the consumers, I would venture to say, will care little about all the valiant pledges that any administration made, if they can hardly afford to heat their home and fill their gas tank, they're going to want to change out the people that are leading, quote unquote, and they can't afford to live the way they're used to. So, you know, I think with that, we can probably wrap up this week's episode. Um, You know, until next week, right? Yeah, it sounds good. And I know we spin a lot of doom and gloom, and sometimes we mention the worst-case scenario, but I'd like to close it out with this one small quote from the article we just went with. Maybe not everyone has their head screwed on straight, but one small asset manager based in Dallas actually responded with, hell no, when asked if he was boycotting the oil industry in Texas. So there are the people out there that you can be excited to work with, find opportunities with, and maybe... We come out on the other side of this thing with a little more money, a little more knowledge, and can make the best of a bad situation. But until then, keep yourself learning. Go to www.rarepetro.com for a ton of great content that will get you well-rounded and up to speed so that you can have these conversations with people in your family or even at the office. But I've gone on long enough already. This has been Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels with Rare Petro. And until we see you next week, take care, everybody. Thanks, Tavis.